It's time for the Little Agency That Roars podcast, a podcast that connects you with talented and brilliant people. And that's all of us. We are available wherever you stream your podcast, so go ahead and find us and subscribe. I'm your host, Michael Fasoni, and let's get started. We're here with Scott Lundberg. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I'm into office stuff, you know, little little things. So I, I dig your vibe that you've got going on. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Especially the artwork. Thank you. Well, it's not mine. Um, But, yeah. I mean, that's not... I didn't do the artwork. Oh. But, since everyone's listening right now, we should tell them that I'm sitting down here with Scott Allen, General Manager from Carpet Corner Flooring Stores. Morning, Michael. Glad to be with you. Good morning. I'm glad you're here, man. How's your morning? So far, so good. I was watching Bob... I think his name was Fasoni this morning on... Uh, Squawk Box. I don't know if uh, he's a relation or not, but he was referring to the economy. I, I like to watch the CNBC channels in the morning just to see what's going on in the marketplace. Are you Stock serious? His last name's Fasoni? It's what it sounded like he said, and I didn't have a chance to Google it, but that's on my list of things to do. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I was like, so you don't know who Bob Fasoni is then? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> and it was on CNBC? Uh, CNBC, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, not Squawk Box, but the one after that with Jim Cramer. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember the name of his show. I'd know it in a heartbeat, but I'm going to... Kind of a Bloomberg guy. Yeah, he's definitely a... Uh, well, I, this first time I've ever seen him on TV. Uh, this morning, on my way into Fasoni Partners for an interview. <laughs> But it's one of those things that I don't know if I had the name right, you know. I was like, they didn't put it up on the screen. Right. I watched the entire interview. Sounded like Fasoni. Like so many other words do. Is that right? <laughs> no. No, it's not. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Scott. Yes. I've known you a long time. Yes. Um, we were talking a little bit, though, before you came in here. You're, you know, you're not a Casey native. Sedalia. Correct. I grew up in central Missouri. A uh, little town actually outside of Sedalia, a bedroom community, if you will. Not really. It's a farm community called Otterville. Actually, that's where I went to school. I lived in a bedroom community for Otterville called Clifton City, which used to be, it's actually on the Katy Trail, used to be a railroad stop. I do not know what year that closed down, but it was not active when I lived there. It was total farming when I lived there. Okay. So take me from Otterville to Kansas City. <clears throat> well, my father worked for TGY, which is a now defunct business based out of Oklahoma City. And they were uh, comparable to Kmart. They were a competitor of Kmart's. And uh, I think Walmart pretty much helped put them out of business. But uh, he got transferred to Kansas City while I was still in high school in this small town of 500 people. Actually, again, in the town I was in, Clifton City, was probably 80 people. Um, but anyway, so he got transferred to Kansas City, so I went with him, and so did my mother. My sisters had all graduated and moved out at this point in time, so it was just me and them, my, me and my parents that moved to Kansas City. And it was a bit of a culture shock, going from 20 kids in my class to 200-plus kids in my class that I felt schlegel. Uh, but I went to high school there, enjoyed it. Uh, I'm happy uh, to have come to Kansas City. I, I love Kansas City. I definitely uh, have always been a fan of the Royals, and uh, I didn't follow football when I was a kid, but when I was 
actually after high school, I started really getting into the Chiefs uh, back when Christian Okoye was our running back. And I've been a fan ever since. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I definitely consider myself a Kansas Cityan, even though I'm not, didn't grow up here. But so that was a really exciting endeavor for, you know, for the family to move up here and for you to be here in your high school years then, I bet. That was my last three years of high school. And okay. Exciting. I would use the word terrifying. <laughs> Simply really? because small town kid, you know, it was a different experience. But you seem like an ad- you seem like you would have been an adventurous, if not ornery. Oh gosh, no. No, no. I Seriously? was a shy kid. Were totally you really? shy kid. Yep. Yep. Okay. So but, yeah, like But I would get on the coattails of the crazy people and let them drag <laughs> me along. <laughs> Dennis, so you know who Dennis. you are. <laughs> Dennis, if you're listening. So you made quick friends. No, no, I was really okay. quiet. I was really quiet, but people started to like me. And I'm not sure what you know caused that to happen, but <laughs> I over time I, I became comfortable. I uh, I was lucky that my counselor put me in the right classes with the right students. I was around the right groups. So they put me in debate. Because I was, I was, you know, honor roll student at Otterville and uh, an honor roll student at uh, in at Schlegel, and uh, they put me in the the best classes with the best teachers, and I had a great high school experience. Nice, nice. Now it's my understanding you found Carpet Corner not too long after that. Yeah, actually, it was my part time job while I go to school, college. Uh, right when I started college, actually, um, I started working for Carpet Corner in the warehouse. Uh, I would do, uh, I would drive the truck around to the stores. At that time, we had five stores, I believe. Um, we actually grew to ten stores at one point in time, uh, but we're we're back down to five again here in the Kansas City area. Some of the stores were in other markets: uh, Tulsa, Topeka, St. Joe. Um, we had a store in Grandview that we closed in 2010. Um, anyway. I would get off my classes, I would come to work, and then my job was to make deliveries to the local stores, the local stores, and I would pick up paperwork while I was there. So I was just what they call the run driver, working in the warehouse. And I also did warehouse work. You know, uh, we would have to prep jobs for the the, the following day. So we would uh, get our what we call a picking ticket for all of the, the carpet. Or that we had to cut, and we would uh, actually pull it down with forklifts, uh, drive to one end of the, the warehouse, grab a f- corner of the carpet, and start backing up. Depending on how much carpet we needed, would determine how far we had to back up, and uh, then we would, on on hands and knees, start taking measurements and uh, getting the cuts prepared for the installers to pick up the next day. That was pretty much the daily routine. Well, after I did that for about a year. Um, I told my boss at the time um, that I was, you know, going to find another job where I could make more money. And at that point in time, uh, this after I was 19, uh, they put me into sales. And so pretty, pretty bold of them to put a 19-year-old kid into sales. But uh, the rest is history. I mean, I've been with Carpet Corner for 36 years now. Wow, wait a minute. So you were only installing and doing the... I never installed. I worked in the warehouse. Okay. And 
uh, yeah, uh, after after a year, um, and this is the '80s, right? So you know, I've got Leif Garrett hair, and you know, I'm <laughs> kind of a mess. It's ridiculous to look back and see some of the pictures today, but you know, we were all ridiculous back then. Um, it'd be the today's equivalent of tattoos and piercings, right? <laughs> 20 years from now, we're going to look back at ourselves and look ridiculous. Right. It's still. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, I, I transitioned into sales, and uh, I did that for several years. And then they made me a store manager when I was 26. Uh, and then they put me into uh, claims management. And uh, then I became the, the sales manager, and now I'm the general manager. So... What store did you first manage, or was it all of them? <clears throat> the, the location at Kansas City, Kansas, was my store that I was managing okay. at the time, which is our, also our main office. Mm-hmm. But uh, the main office is the, the corporate office, the warehouse, and a showroom all in one building, and I was managing the showroom and the sales staff at that location at the time. So new city, intimidated, a little nervous, big job. Pretty quick. Well, I mean, at that point, I had been here for a few years, and I had right. come out of my shell. I mean, okay. So, yeah, yeah, pretty big job. I mean, I was going to school to be an engineer, so one way or another, I had big plans. But really? This was not my plan, but how many people are actually following their plan by the time they're you know twenty, twenty one, twenty two? Were you passionate about engineering? Did you have a specific direction you wanted to take that engineering? Honestly, no. And that's okay. probably one of the reasons, right? So I was good at math, and my mother suggested I be an engineer, and I'm like, okay. So that was kind of the path I was on. But uh, honestly, well, I'm not going to say this in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Well, when engineers come into the store, it's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to go into the intricate de- <laughs> oh. detail about how we came up with the square footage. And it's not that complicated. It's pretty simple. <laughs> but you are, and I've known you for several years. And um, long time, and you you are an intellectual. You know, I, I think you, of you as an intellectual. I mean, you're the first person I've met who like you kind of like a dictionary. You know, you just <laughs> Scott has a thing for words. A wordsmith. I definitely consider Scott, myself a wordsmith. Yeah, Scott would. Uh, what's the game? Jep, not Jep. Yeah, Jeopardy. Oh yeah. I oh. mean, you got to be a good Jeopardy player. Uh, I w- I'm okay. I'm okay. I do play Jeopardy every day on my Alexa. Oh, you do? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I asked that not knowing. So, <laughs> yeah. What do you? What? Do you, how does that work? I don't have an Alexa. So, so you just say Alexa, play Jeopardy, and uh, then it goes into, you know, today's okay. questions. Your okay. Jeopardy <laughs> questions are this category. So it's basically the same thing, but they just give you the question in the category. You don't get to pick. Right? It just gives you twelve questions. Okay. And then at the end of it, it tells you how well you did. Um, How's your record? Oh, 80th percentile, something like that. But that would be for the Amazon Alexa Jeopardy. On television, I'd probably be in the 30th percentile. Yeah. That's pretty tough. I don't ever get to watch the show. I mean, I don't record it or anything. But, but yeah, those people are, they live in libraries, I think. You know, you've got to be a voracious reader, I think, to do very well. Some obscure knowledge they have. Right. <laughs> very obscure knowledge. Very well, maybe to, to me at least. Right. I shouldn't say that. Well, it's, it's um, not the day-to-day layman stuff that you get from that television show, that's for sure. No. I wouldn't call myself an intellectual, though. I'd say uh, analytical. is. I think of myself as an analytical thinker. And um, anal is the people, many people refu- re- use for me. <laughs> well, 
And in your role, you kind of have to be a little yeah, bit yeah. that way. Right. You know, you're managing five stores right now. You're managing how many, you know, employees do you have? How big is your sales staff alone? Just oh, not we including... Have, it's shrunk over the years. Uh, we have we have shrunk over the years. Right. Um, 20 people now for, okay. my, for my sales staff. Okay. Um, here's one question I am curious. Is it... I know that you go to you know your annual convention in Vegas, right? Actually, the, we do typically go to an annual convention, but it's not always in Vegas. Uh, they do have a show in Vegas every year called Surfaces uh, or the International Surface Event. Uh, we don't go to that every year. We are aligned with Mohawk, which is one of the largest carpet manufacturers. There's basically three mega manufacturers and then there's some all smaller ones so if you want to relate that to people know chevy ford and dodge well it's one of the big three uh mohawk shaw and engineered floors um so since we're mohawk aligned every other year mohawk has a big convention and we go there when we go there we don't go to vegas gotcha so the years they don't have it we do go to vegas gotcha what do you what are you learning from those shows or walking away from, or is that not really um, well, they a They offer of classes. Okay. Uh, they also, we go typically because it's, it's an opportunity to make better buys. Uh, they have, okay. you know, reasons to get you to attend. Uh, but so it's, it's a purchasing it's, trip as well. It's a purchasing trip. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Both for new product, new displays. Uh, now the good thing about the international service event in Vegas every year is that if we're looking for something beyond our traditional suppliers, they're all there in one place. That makes sense. But, but we focus on what we do, and we haven't really... We're, we're, we're a floor-covering dealer. We're primarily carpet. Um, the current flooring industry, most dealers are about 50-50 in hard surface and, and carpet. Uh, carpet used to be about 80% of homes, uh, but now it's only about 50% of homes. But we're because we're carpet corner. I think people think of us as carpeting more than flooring, and so the majority of our business tends to be carpeting still. But it should be fifty-fifty. So, hard surface is an area where we can grow, and we're working to grow that business as well. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I was asking that is I'm curious if do you get do you get information from other markets about trends in other markets and other cities and states? Well, on the daily, I, I've follow the, the periodicals that come out, industry-related periodicals, and, and I keep track of things on the macro by that. Um, I do get to meet other dealers in other markets, but I don't typically try to find out what they're doing that's working for them. I don't, that generally, I tend to be focused on what I'm doing and not worrying about what other people are doing. I guess I meant more so... Um, as the industry, like, do you notice, does the industry notice that, like, maybe on the West Coast, carpets are being more installed in living rooms, whereas six or eight years ago they were not? No, or, I, don't, I don't think that that's the case. Um, I think it's, you, you do have uh, trends that uh, occur on the coast quicker than they do in the mid-America, uh, but I think like it's more things. about color. Uh, maybe about you do have a regionality of, of floor covering that's based on uh, climate 
Uh, it's also based on, for example, in Texas, they have uh, rocky hard ground. They don't have a lot of basements. They have a lot of slab flooring. Well, that's well suited for ceramic tile. We have basements here, and uh, putting ceramic on wood is more difficult. You gotta put down backer board. It, honestly, we don't do ceramic or porcelain tile at all, so I'm talking about something that we don't do. But uh, the point is this, uh, regionally, you're gonna have uh, different preferences based upon, Florida's another big ceramic tile market. And if I was in Florida, I would definitely be using ceramic tile with sure. sand and beaches and mm -hmm. sunshine. I mean, ceramic tile is a very, it's a permanent floor. I mean, it, you, you're not gonna wear it out. You're gonna replace it when you're sick and tired of it, and that's about it. You might have, now what, I digress and follow a tangent, but it's it's hard, it's cold, you've got grout that you gotta maintain, you know, but it's durable. It's gonna last a long, long time. Talk about the color. You said colors was one of the first things you mentioned. So different parts of the country, country's a mood ring when it comes to flooring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Tell the, me about that. Well, we, we always say that the West, the trends that you hear about all the time uh, they happen first on the west, and they gradually, uh, west and east coast, and they gradually get here. Okay. We're a couple of years behind in the color trend. Um, but uh, so we, we, we pretty much know what's going to happen before it happens because we have the ability to see what's coming. What's the We're 20 not groundbreaking here. We're <laughs> what's the color of 2024, Scott? Tell us. <clears throat> oh, gosh. In, Tell in us the future color. <laughs> Well, people can start planning and ordering now. Uh, this this year, I think classic blue was the Pantone color of the year. Now that okay, that had nothing to do with us. And sometimes right. those Pantone colors of the years do not translate into carpeting. I think it was last year. It was uh, oh, uh, like, uh, like a sea salmon, yeah. or it might. It, it's been those funky colors. You're yeah. not going to use that in carpeting. Carpeting is the backdrop to everything else. Very few people. Uh, are going to get bold with it. But one of the good things about, instead of the carpeting being the surface throughout the entire house, you now have, well, we refer to them as islands of carpeting, or somebody else referred to I'm stealing somebody else's phrase when I say that. So you now have your bedrooms are carpeted and all your main level areas are hard surface, hardwood, or luxury vinyl, or ceramic tile, uh, or laminate. Uh, Carpeting typically goes in the bedrooms, um, and when when it has become less of the overall floor covering, people do get a little bit more bold. We do a lot of custom rugs and some really cool patterns. Uh, staircases and cool patterns is another huge thing that's been going on now for the last 20 years in Kansas City. And from what I understand, that is a Kansas City phenomenon. Wait a minute. The... How do I word this? The pattern stair carpet where it doesn't cover the entire width of the step, that's only in Midwest Kansas City? No, no, it's actually, I mean, it, it's... it's Not only, but... It's changing the carpeting on the stairs from the carpeting that you have in the rest of the house. And it may be wall-to-wall, uh, -wall, if you will, or, you know, fully covered the stairs, or it could be a stair runner. Uh, it could be the one. We do both. Um, but having that different carpeting on the stairs used to be... I've been told by our suppliers that uh, that's a Kansas City phenomenon. But interesting, based on what I see in the trades and online, it seems to me like it's grown to probably everywhere. Stairs take a lot. Stairs, when you run up and down the stairs, you know that's more force than when you're walking across your living room carpeting. So, um, actually, a designer uh, 
should get credit for this because they did, in the Parade of Homes, they did a, a, a very durable pattern carpet from Masland called Tangier. And uh, ever since then, we've had a pretty strong customer demand to do something like that on stairs. We need to tell uh, the Parade of Homes that. They probably know. I would think they know. I'm going to tell them. Okay, you tell them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, one, that's one of our clients. <laughs> um, so, uh, and people may not know, and most people listening won't know, uh, Carpet Corner is a family business. Carpet Corner is a family-owned business. Uh, Carpet Corner started in 1968, which is the year I started. Not with Carpet Corner, but in life. Uh, so <laughs> I often relate... I just relate to the business that way, you know. I've been there so so long, and I'm not a family member. Um, I'm a total outsider, if you will, but, uh, I mean, they, I feel like a family member. Can we talk about that? Um, I'm sure there were times when not being a member of the uh, Matthews family, was that ever an issue? Here's a young guy coming up through the ranks pretty fast. Well, honestly, yes. Um I don't know if I want this to be on the record. You don't have to answer it. <laughs> Let's just skip it. Let's skip it. Okay. Um, because you have become part of the family. Right, right. In my opinion. Right. Um, from what I see. Right. You know, and um, your knowledge of the store is incredible. And, right. Um, I, obviously, there's still family members involved. Oh, yeah. And they're wonderful people, and we're going to get him on here too one day, right? <laughs> Maybe. They're, they've always been uh, they're more shy him? people. <laughs> Um, Jim, Jim Matthews, okay, Jim Matthews Sr. started, there's, there's the, the Carpet Corner story. I, I would be uh, remiss not to Please. talk about the Carpet Corner story. Yeah. So uh, it, it's the Matthews family that, that owns Carpet Corner. Or it, originally it was started by Jim Matthews. Everybody referred to him as Sr. His oldest son was Jim Matthews, and we all referred to him as Junior. But they had different middle names, so they technically weren't Sr. and Junior. But that's what everybody called him. Anyway, Senior uh, used to be a comptroller at Emory Bird Fair, and uh, he had six kids. And he was also building houses on the side, so he was working two jobs. Well, Emory Bird Fair was going out of business, and it must have been in that sixties. I'm not sure. You know, I don't. You know, I'm not old enough to, to remember that. Uh, I wasn't even you know here in the city when when that was all happening. But there is an EBT restaurant. I don't know if it's still open or not, but it's a throwback to the Emory Bird Thayer uh, uh, department store. And that's what it was, like a Macy's or something like that. Um, so when they shut down, they closed up. Uh, Jim Sr. bought all their carpet to put in the homes he was building. And uh, so he put it in the garage, and uh, I guess it, it, it was about the fall, uh, maybe sometime around this time of year, maybe a little bit early in the year, and his wife, Wanda Matthews, decided that she wanted to uh, park her car in the garage in the winter. So all that carpeting had to go. And he wasn't building houses fast enough to use it. I'm not sure how much was in there. But I do know that she ran an ad in the Thrifty Nickel to sell this carpet. And apparently the cars were lined up. And <clears throat> I guess he was kind of embarrassed. I don't know exactly why, but this is the way that story's been told to me. He was a little embarrassed. He was like peeking out the window and he sees all these people out there. And then his wife comes in with a, with a drawing, which is a floor plan that the customer had brought, and a handful of money and said, 
will this carpet work in this area? And Jim, who had always been an entrepreneur, he'd done a couple of other entrepreneurial things. Uh, was like, I've, I've got to get in this business. And that's how Carpet Corner got started. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's how it started. Um, now, there are six kids, and they all worked for the family business, right? Uh, and then Jim passed away. Jim Sr. passed away in 1998. Uh, Jim Jr., who hired me when he was 33 and I was 19, and I would give him a hard time about being old, right, when he was 33, because I was only 19, right? Anyway, he, he just retired in 2020. Uh, and he always referred to me as the kid, even, even though I'm in my 50s now. He always called me the kid. Um, but anyway, he, he's, he's a great friend. He's been a great friend to me. Um, and he's the reason I'm there. And uh, he brought me along, gave me all the opportunities. Uh, when I turned 21, he made sure I got our 401k. So I can also thank him for that because I try to encourage all my kids to do the same thing. Um, but uh, he's, he's been a positive influence in my life in every way. That's great. He's a great guy too. Yeah. So he retired. Him and his older brother still works, no, excuse me, his younger brother, Jeff, still works part-time, uh, three days a week. He's just helping us out because he's a guru with, he can do anything. He can fix anything. He's a problem solver. And so we still bring him in a few days a week just to take care of little things. And now the youngest brother is running the business, Mike. Mike. And uh, he's a couple years younger than I am, but he's, he's in charge. In fact, Jimmy and Jeff sold their interest in the company to the other four siblings. So now it's Michael and his three sisters are the owners. Okay. Uh, second generation. We currently have two third generation family members working for Carpet Corner. Steve Hipshire and Jenny Matthews, who is, she's tremendous. I'm She's, she's going to be a nurse, you know, which is, I congratulate her. It's a great choice of a career, but I do enjoy having her work for the company, and I'm going to be sorry when she does leave the company to follow her nursing career. That's interesting. Was Mike around when, where was Mike when you started at Carpet Corner? He was in high school, and I was 18, obviously. He's mm -hmm. a couple years younger than me, so he's 16. He would come in, him and his buddies from high school, and they would do... Summer work, right? Mm -hmm. um, they would work in the warehouse too, uh, doing different projects, whatever they had that needed to be attended to. Um, but he's gone through several steps. You know, the, most of the family members had to do many different jobs over the years. And uh, he was the warehouse manager. He installed. I never installed. Mike did install. Okay. Um, he managed. Then he went into store management. He went, he went into sales. Then he went into store management. And now he's the president of the company. Okay. Now that Jim is retired, he took over that position. You miss Jim? Sure, I miss Jim, sort of, because I still see him. Um, oh, does he still come in? He or? comes in once a month. He is on the board of the Kansas City Shippers, which is the company that we use for freight. Um, it's a local company, too, and I don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, but he has a meeting every month that he, that he goes to, and he always stops into the store uh, whenever... He uh, goes to that meeting. He uh, he actually brought in a desk. He he he's like, I got a desk in my basement, and now I've got a brand new. Well, it's not a brand new. I got a new desk that he brought to me, and I'm going to his uh, son's wedding. Uh, John, uh, who uh, also came in and worked. You know, every family member's done something at the at the store, whether or not it was permanent. Uh, he's getting married at the end of the month, and I'll be seeing Jimmy again at John's wedding. 
Where was the first location? Kansas City, Kansas Oh, well, okay. <clears throat> Outside of the garage? Yes. This I am not completely clear on. The, our current location in Kansas City, Kansas, uh-huh. they moved there in 1971. This is three years after they incorporated the business. So I heard that they had a store on 10th Street and a store on, I think the first one was on Chelsea, and I don't even know where that, where that is, but it's kind of downtown KCK. Okay. Uh, okay. So they had a couple smaller locations, and they grew into this location. And it's, you know, centrally located. Uh, it's got the warehouse. Mm-hmm. So it's satisfied our needs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What are you proudest of since you've been to Carpet Corner? I'm sure there's a ton of things, but, oh, you gosh, know. Oh, gosh, no. Pride, pride is a sin. Um, so they say, right? Um, yeah, there's been several things. Uh, just just problem solving, you know, looking at things and trying to think of them through a different perspective and try to... And it's every 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 time you do something different that has a better result, I'm proud of that when, when that happens. And there's been many of those. Uh, single accomplishment. I, 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 I don't know what to say to that. Are you, uh, do, are you in charge of purchasing at all? Purchasing? Yeah, actually, my primary responsibilities are marketing and purchasing, yes. So uh, we, we, we meet with our different factory reps. Uh, they show us products and displays, and then uh, I, am, I work with Mike and Steve. You know, we're bringing him into these meetings because the more exposure everybody has to all the responsibilities that are needed, the better. One question I'm curious about that I'm asking retailers um, on the podcast is, how are you handling inventory in these current times and making sure you don't have too much on hand? And then at the same time, making sure you can service a customer. I know it's tricky for retailers. That is, it's a balance. It's a balance. And the the fact is, is that we had made a lot of purchasing mistakes over the years, um, a lot of times we're incentivized. If we buy inventory, we get better better pricing. That better pricing translates to lower cost to the customer. And, and we bought a lot of inventory in order to gain pricing uh, over the years that we failed. What we failed at here was a failure liquidating that inventory. Um, we have done a good job of that. We have cut back on our purchasing, cleared out a lot of that old inventory, <clears throat> and we're making a strategic decision to instead of being so wide, meaning so many different products that we're pro- uh, stocking. Uh, which was the case, uh, that we're concentrating on uh, fewer products and going deeper into those products. So we can service quick needs. Um, so it's all about strategically planning the right amount of inventory. And the manufacturers, they want to move their inventory too. So they'll, they'll give us offers to take on inventory. We have to be careful on our decisions. So do we want to buy a whole truckload of LVT right now when the marketing is looking at slowing down? When I, I think what's happening on the manufacturing side is they built up all their inventory because the, the COVID era was a boon for the remodeling business. Uh, it it was a it benefited our business. You know, it's sad to say that something like that would benefit somebody, but it did, and it, not just our industry. I think everybody in the home industry because people were not traveling, they were staying at home, they were nesting. A lot of people working remotely, and uh, it made it very convenient. I mean, we can do our installs on our appointments in home to do measuring and estimating because they're already there. 
Uh, plus, they're spending money to make their homes nicer. Uh, so that was a big benefit. But now, I mean, that's going to last for so long, right? No, everything's going right. normalizing, if you will. Right. And so I expect a, a drop-off in demand as that happens. Uh, at the same time, with all of the supply issues, which for carpeting, it's not that big of a deal. Most carpeting is manufactured in Dalton, Georgia. Uh, it's domestically produced. Um, the shortages were primarily in the hard surface categories, especially with luxury vinyl tile. The Chinese manufacturers have been making that product for years. Um, and so I think that what's happened is the demand was greater than supply. That's part of the inflation problem we're dealing with right now. And so everybody's been trying to solve that problem. And now we're looking at a situation of, well, I think of a lot of our suppliers are maybe overstocked. So they're coming to us with buys. But uh, we have to be careful. I mean, they're, they're putting very lucrative offers in front of us, uh, but we have to take on huge amounts of inventory. And I'm not sure that's a good idea. So we. We just, I'm, I'm waiting to see how it goes. I, I've got a, some time to decide what to do on that. And so it kind of is going to depend on this fall season, which is a busy season in, in flooring, uh, before the holidays, before Thanksgiving and Christmas. We are a residential retailer. We're not builder. We're not multifamily. Uh, we're not commercial. We're residential. So we are very much affected by Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, once, once the Christmas tree goes up, forget about it. You're not going to be doing any... You might be doing basements here and there because people are finishing their basements, but you're not doing the main level with all the Christmas tree and decorations set up everywhere. So that's a slow time. I remember when I first started working on your account, we first started working together. I learned that and it shocked me that people want to have new flooring and new carpet specifically installed before the holidays oh, yeah. so they can show it off. Right. In my, maybe it's a male thing, brain, I thought, no, install it after all the company leaves because <laughs> 20, 30 people in my home on my brand new carpet is just going to get my new carpet dirty. <laughs> right, right. Well, you you know, I mean, our customers primarily female, too. I mean, the women drive our oh, industry. Oh, yes. Women drive retail. <clears throat> and let's, let's face it. And, that, and it's a fashion business, too. And so sometimes that that old flooring may need to be replaced. And so is it because I want it new and show it off, or is it because I'm embarrassed at how the old carpet looks that i got to get that done before That's, my family shows you're up? Right. So it's, you're it's right. a combination of those factors. You're right. Um, going back to the ordering, and you know, I'm sure you can look at ledgers and spreadsheet and historical data a lot to help you with these purchasing decisions, but how much does your 36-year experience really play into that? I mean, it has to be. I'm sorry, I don't fully understand what you're asking me. That's okay. Um, you have such a long history with the company. Right, right, right. Yeah. Not all of it's in purchasing, though. I mean, that's... True. I have been doing purchasing probably, well, 15 years at least. I'm not sure. I can't keep track. But you've seen the evolution of flooring. You've seen the evolution of the company itself. You've oh, yeah. seen the evolution of the market itself, right. the local DMA, right. designated market area. Um and what I was saying is I'm sure that assists you more in making your forecasting purchasing decisions more so than what your warehouse catalog says you have in stock and what oh, you Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, fortunately, our software system allows me to do a, 
an analysis of what the most popular styles and colors are, and I use that as my main gotcha. guide for what to do. Uh, as far as market demand goes, you know, so we're in the age of the internet. I feel like What's that? I get, uh, well, it's, it's invented <laughs> by Al Gore. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, sorry. Go ahead, Scott. Um, what's concerning me right now is I, I feel like the <clears throat> online traffic, you know, it's, it's everything's so different, right? You get a real-time sense of online, online search queries for your products or how many people are coming to your website, and I can see that. And I, and I know that's based on, it's not based on carpet corner, it's based on flooring. I need flooring. So I use that to gauge demand to some extent, and I think that's a real-time indicator of what we can expect in business going forward. Yeah, that makes sense. You said something that really caught my attention. Most carpet is made in Dalton, Georgia? Yeah. Yes, it is. What percent? Uh, that consumed in the United States, probably 90% or more. Really? Yeah. So like Mohawk, Karistan, Shaw, are they all have their facilities there? Or? Mohawk owns Karistan. Okay. And yes, that's where uh, Calhoun, Georgia, Dalton, Georgia. Uh, it's a big, big textile industry down there. Huh. Um, I don't have intimate knowledge of of it, but I do know it all comes out of there. Uh, I think there are some other plants in some other locations, but relatively close to that. That That's really interesting. Yeah. And carpet's primarily made from... Pla- plastic. Plastic, that's what yes. I thought. I didn't want to say it, but... Right. Um, carpeting is... That's evolved over the years, too. There's... You got major fiber categories, uh, polypropylene, polyester, nylon, and a new brand or new breed of polyester called Smart Strand. So, um, polypropylene, also <clears throat> also known as olefin, uh, was very popular in loop pile carpets uh, or Berber carpeting back in the day. Berber carpet, and when I say Berber, that I now have a dissertation on what that means <laughs> because it means different things to different people. But anyway, polypropylene was the primary fiber used in quote Berber unquote carpets. Uh, but that fiber is virtually gone from face pile. It's still used in the backing of carpeting, secondary backing of tufted carpet. Face pile. I wanted to clarify face pile because you've got uh, the, the face pile is the actual, what you see when you're looking at the carpet, you know, what you walk on. Then you've got a, a backing uh, that the, the face pile of carpeting is, it's punched into that backing. That's called tufting. Um, it's a giant sewing machine with the needles going the full width of the material. Each needle has a, its own uh, thread coming off of what they call a creel, which is like a spool, giant spool of thread. And uh, it just, the backing runs through the sewing machine, tufting machine, and those needles punch that yarn through that backing. And then they do whatever they're going to do to it. They might leave it a loop pile. They might have blades that cut the loops. It's all looped at first, but, you know, a cut pile is made when they cut the loops so that now you have a plush pile. Then after the carpeting is tufted, they apply the secondary backing uh, for stability and strength. Before they add that secondary backing, it's like a blanket. I mean, it's real flimsy and, 
you know, when we install carpeting, it has to be stretched in, it has to be stable. <laughs> you don't want it moving around. So they add the secondary backing for stability. Interesting. Um, and I've, that wasn't the original question. And I, <laughs> so I don't. Well, no, I, I was, you mean, I, I, I kind of knew from, you know, obviously vicariously knowledge through you that most carpet is made of plastic. Yeah, it, yes, it, that, right. That was, that was the polypropylene. Then nylon, um, and this is an interesting story too. And so I haven't done the research and I'm going to retell it. And I may not have all my facts exactly right. But uh, it's my understanding that in World War II, um, they had to come up with a lightweight fiber, strong fiber, to replace um, silk, which is what parachutes were made of. And in World War II, when you're fighting with your silk supplier, you better come up with an alternative. And that's how nylon came to be. It was developed by chemists and for uh, parachutes. And uh, the, the myth has it that the name nylon came from his airplane ticket from New York to London. And I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> Makes sense. But, but that's a pretty cool story. It is. True or not. Um, so they came up with nylon, uh, and it was a while. It, tufted carpet, I, I was just reading in the trade magazines the other day about, uh, I scanned the article, carpeting, tufted carpeting didn't become widespread until like the 50s. Before that, or I should say, maybe it was nylon that was used in the 50s. Before that, it was primarily wool, um, which wool is another fiber. That, that is not plastic, but... Uh, it's not used very often today because it's expensive compared to the plastic fibers that, that are used. Uh, polyester uh, has always been like a nylon was the king for the for a long time in, in fiber. Um, polyester is a popular choice of fiber too. It has different properties than uh, than nylon. It's not as durable as nylon, which is why nylon is has been the king. Um, Polyester colors up more brighter, vibrant colors. So when people want color, oftentimes you'll find that more often in polyester fibers. Um, totally different properties. And I hate to digress into all those things, but every plastic fiber has uh, wanted to emulate the look and feel and durability of wool. Wool is a really cool fiber with a lot of cool attributes, but it is pretty expensive. So. We don't sell very much of it these days, but we do offer it. And uh, we definitely have people that... Uh, I've had a couple of inquiries on it lately because this was interesting to me because of their allergies. So they wanted wool, which some people think they're allergic to wool, right? But wool, some wool sweaters and things like that, there's a variety of wool too. Uh, wool can be scratchy and, you know, it, it causes people to, to itch, but they're not actually allergic to wool. Uh, but honestly, I don't think anybody can be allergic to plastic either. So, wait, you've had customers say they were allergic to the wool or their plastic? Uh, well, they they were asking for wool because of allergies. I don't argue with those things. I just okay, gotcha. You know, try to give them what they want. Gotcha. And wool is awesome. So I'm never going to say, "Oh, you don't want wool." <laughs> Does that stand up better than plastic carpet? Wool is extremely durable. Um, when you say stand up, it's better at retaining its appearance over the years. Um, it also, uh, you know, it's a protein base, right? It, it, uh, 
plastic will melt if it gets hot or burns. It, it melts and it, where the wool will actually, it kind of singes mm-hmm. like the hair on your arm will singe, right? And actually, I, I like to do a little demo. I'll, I'll actually like throw a match or something on, on a wool carpet and then let it you know singe up and then I'll brush it off and you get most of that. It's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Which wool is the carpet that they use in Las Vegas casinos because you know people smoke, they drop their cigarettes, flick their ashes, whatever. <laughs> uh, but it's it's used a lot more in hospitality. That makes sense. And then things like casinos because of that, it's more expensive. But you know, if you look at the cost long, benefit, the dur- yeah, right. right. It, over the years, the durability and the practicality of it makes it more cost effective in places like that. Same is true in our homes, you know, but. Smoking is on the decline, thank, thankfully, for a lot of reasons, health reasons primarily of the population. But <laughs> So here's a, a question that I have to ask. Um, if anyone's ever had carpet installed and you've had an installer in your home and you've seen them actually install carpet, they have this device they use to stretch it, right, and put it into the... There are multiple devices that they can use to stretch it. I'm specifically curious about the one that looks like it destroys the life of your kneecaps. Oh, that is the knee kicker. Okay. I want to know everything about that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. And how long, and I'm being serious, uh, how long can someone do that job? Well. Is that a young man's game? Not necessarily. In, in fact, the, unfortunately, I, I should say the opposite is true. The, really? The average age of a carpet installer, from what I've read, is about 55 years old. There is not a uh, high demand for people to become carpet installers um, because it is, for one thing, it's, it's a lot of physical work, especially with what we do. We have to go into a home and we have to move a lot of furniture, uh, tear up the existing flooring, put down the new carpet, move all the furniture back, and we primarily do a, sing- a job a day, you know, mm-hmm. each they can do one home a day, depending on the size of the home. You know, some homes it takes a couple days, uh, but, but it's a lot. It's a lot of work, a lot of labor. It's called a knee kicker. Uh, that's one of the. They, ha- they also have, they have power stretchers with poles. They have uh, crabs is another uh, unique stretcher that is oft- sometimes used. Um, but the knee kicker is really intended to support the power stretcher. The power stretcher is actually the main device that gets the main stretch on the carpeting, and then they use a knee kicker primarily to set the carpeting. And that, if you do it properly, like that, then your body's going to last longer. Your knees are going to last longer. Okay. But it is hard on your knees, and it's hard on the body. It looks but, intense. Yeah. Most, most of our guys, you know, we've, everybody I work with, I've been working with for the last 36 years. I mean, not, most of the installers have been there almost as long as I have, or, you know, I, I don't know if we have any that have been there longer, but... Very close to the same. Have you ever used a knee kicker? I have used a knee kicker. Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. I don't install very much. I'll I'll do a job. I'll help out friends or something like that. But I've never. Scott's a semi-professional soccer player on the side. (laughs) Yeah. So knee kicker (laughs) might be kind of you know your alley. Well, um, it's a you don't you don't really use your body the uh, installing carpet the way you do in soccer. But uh, (laughs) and that's uh, no, I'm I'm a fully amateur. <laughs> soccer player, but yeah, I still play. Fifty-four years old, I've been playing soccer since I was twenty-nine. And Did you play last it. night? Played Monday night. Yeah, oh, Monday night. Yep, yep. We had a Monday night game. That was Tuesdays. 
No, it's Mondays, typically. Uh, it's a Monday-Wednesday league. Sometimes, you know, if there's enough teams, we may have to carry over to another night of the week where they don't have as many teams. Uh, Wednesday is ladies' night. You know, that's typically when the women teams play. At the Kansas City Soccer Dome, I plug for them. Um, that's where I've been playing. Uh, indoor soccer for, for the last 29 years. I, I am not good, but it's great exercise. And, you know, hanging out with your friends and doing something you like to do, that's the primary benefit of that. Exercise benefit as well. Can I get AstroTurf at Carpet Corner? We don't sell athletic sport field turf. Not for not sport, but let's say I wanted that faux, that look like on my back patio. We have artificial grass, yes, available. Do you? Yeah, it's a seasonal thing, of course. You don't want to install that in wet or cold weather. It's a summer thing. And we don't, it used to be a lot more popular than it is today. We don't sell much marine carpet for boats, but we do sell, although we have that too. Um, well, that would make sense. We're in Kansas City. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of lakes around here. True, true. I would imagine that would maybe be a service folded to marinas or yeah, you, yeah. someone has a relationship or some. There's, there's carpet manufacturers that specifically focus on that industry, like, and they make the carpet the right width. Well, what I have comes on. The standard American carpet width is 12 foot wide. Okay. Um, in Europe, and we do have imports. They do make carpet overseas, and uh, we do have those carpets available, uh, and they're 13 feet 2 inches wide, but the majority of carpet's 12 feet wide. Some, the, the overseas stuff is 13 too because that's 4 meters. That's so what that I'm asking. That, that, that makes sense. System. Right. But there are some that are 15 feet wide. and But boat carpet is primarily made 8 foot wide. You called it book carpet? Boat. 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 Oh, boat. Yeah. God, yeah, we were talking about boats. Um, let's talk about overseas carpet. How does it differ in construction? Or is it is it loop and um, is it tufted as well? And Well, the reason that we have it in our stores at all, it's, uh, it's primarily uh, it's made on a different machine. It's not tufted. What we carry is not tufted anyway. I'm sure they have tufting machines across the seas. What we what we buy and sell is pattern carpets. They have a wide variety of woven pattern carpets, uh, and they're we primarily do custom rugs and and uh, also stairs in those. Some people will do more than that, but for the most part, it's custom rugs and stairs because it is very ornate patterns in some cases. Okay. Uh, do you attend any local business meetups or groups or? No, I haven't done a networking like that with, you know, a board of chamber of commerce or I've been offered a few times, but I have not. Just curious. Does your corporate corner meet as a group quarterly, annually, monthly? Well, we'll have a couple sales meetings, uh, annually where we kick off our Kerosan promotion that we do twice a year. Um, we used to have more meetings than that, but uh, we don't gather as often. And when we do gather, you know, we, we don't have very seldom, I think only one time that I can recall where we had, outside of Christmas parties, uh, the entire company come in for a meeting where, where that included installers as well as the sales staff. Gotcha. And how many installers do you have? Uh, we've got probably... 10 carpet crews and four hard surface crews. I'm guessing I'm not, I haven't counted, right? I can look at the list and see them, but sure, I haven't sure. actually like counted how many there were. Sure. Depending on demand, we'll grow or shrink that as needed. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. 
So Dalton, Georgia has a nice built-in industry there. Oh, that's, yeah. It's the carpet capital of the world. Let's refer to that. Um, so Berber, I mentioned that earlier. This is a little tangent. So the reason, and, and the, the customer that asked about the wool carpet, and she said not Berber, and I had to be like, okay, when you say not Berber, what exactly do you mean? Because here's, here's, the, here's the story on Berber. Berber is a nomadic tribe of peoples in northern Africa. And they inspired the style of Berber-style carpet. Uh, and what inspired it was their horse blankets that they would make. And they would make it out of whatever is laying on the ground. They would weave horse blankets, right? And so it would have... The, the ended result was you had these blankets with all of these different spots. So the first Berber carpets that came out, they were... By coincidence, they were looped, but they all had these spots of color fleckled throughout, which is really what the Berber horse blankets inspired. Um, didn't have to be a loop pile, but they always were. So some people started equating loop pile carpet with Berber carpet. So I have to be careful. I'm a wordsmith, right? <laughs> but on the other hand, I always advise all my people, forget the words that they're using. Have a conversation when you're talking with your customers to make sure you understand what it is they want, not based upon based based upon you know examples more more than the words that they use. For example, somebody may came in, come in and say, "I'm looking for tile," and if and if we automatically assume they're looking for ceramic tile, we just say, "Oh, sorry, we don't have that." Right? You've got to quality. You got to do a better job qualifying mm -hmm. people and understanding what they're trying to achieve, and maybe you don't have what they're looking for, but maybe you have a, an alternative worth suggesting. But that's cool. It came that name came from a horse blanket. People who made indigenous it's, it's, people who made horse blankets. Yeah. And as someone with intimate knowledge of horse blankets, because I grew up with yeah. horses and we still have horses. Um, yeah, horse blankets are spotted. They're they're imperfect. Yeah. They're well these especially were because they're making them out of natural materials that are growing around. I mean right. I, from what I understand they could have sticks. Right. Or Hay, although I think that'd straw be or... no burrs. Don't put any burrs on no, your oh, saddle. Oh, oh. <laughs> burrs, I didn't understand you first. Um, so, Scott, the company's been around forever. Um, 54 years. It's easy know. for me to remember. Like I said, it's <laughs> the same age as I am. Um, you have a lot of locations. What's going to keep you around for another 54 years? Well, Carpet Corner, uh, you know, it's a family-owned business, and... I don't know what's going to happen after Mike is old enough to retire. Uh, we do have a couple of next, you know, third generation family members, but it's either going to be, you know, maybe some of the family members may come back to the business and may get recruited back to the business. Otherwise, we'll be in a position where the company may have to sell. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen at that point in time. That succession plan, that's up to the, the Matthews family. But the same things that have made you successful these past 50 plus years. I'm saying those are going to make you successful. Well, the following, you know, <clears throat> we our plan certainly is to we want to provide quality materials, quality installation, quality service. And when I mean when I say quality, I mean better than our competition. We want to do a better job than our competition. Um, and it's it all boils back to the service, you know, having a knowledgeable staff. I mean, we're specialists, you know, in floor covering. Uh, so getting the right advice when you are making your flooring selection is critical. 
Uh, evaluating the job site is another important skill, uh, you know, that our sales staff has. Um, not every floor is going to work in every situation, so you have to be able to go in there and identify those issues. And it's it's difficult in our in our business. Sometimes we have issues that pop up on job day because you pull up the old carpet and you find rotted floor that you couldn't see until you pull up the old floor covering. But but ultimately, it's all about providing a as easy as possible uh, installation for our customers um, because it is it's a lot to go through for our consumers as well, depending on how big the job is. If you're doing your whole house in carpeting, we have a lot of stuff on our homes these days that, you know, we have to deal with. Uh, and the customers have to do their part, putting away their breakables, their small items. And if you're doing every room in the house, you know, that's that can be a logistical problem for them. But, but we handle the heavy stuff, and we take care of that part for them. Well, I think we can all relate. I mean, anytime anyone is in your home, whether they're just a service tech for furnace or replacing carpet, I mean, it's your home. Right. You don't want, you know, you want them to come in, be polite, do the job and, and leave. Right. Um, do you want to talk about any processes or systems that make your services stand out more so than your competition? Well, from what I've heard over the years, I don't have a lot of experience working for my competition. In fact, I have zero. So um, I do know that, for example, with your big box stores, they're, they're very rigid. Uh, if, if the installer runs into an issue on the job site, they have to stop everything. And they have to wait for authorization. They've got a, a very strong, uh, I don't I'm trying to, you know, as a wordsmith, I'm, I'm, my words are vacating me right now, but uh, it's, it's difficult to make job site changes where we are very flexible, work on the fly, and we want to get that uh, job done and that problem solved as quickly as possible if we run into one of those. Uh, and our ability to just make decisions and resolve things immediately, uh, I think, is one of the big benefits of working with us over a big uh, corporation. It, I think you really... Yes, but also there's so much more in there, I think. I mean, a big box store, especially regardless of the competition, isn't going to give you the one-on-one -on -one communication and hand-holding and project management that you're going to give. Right, that's true. I mean, like I mean, it, this is, um, and I've seen your brand work with customers, and I've worked with your brand for a long time, and I know that you guys, it's... Um, I've seen, the, I've seen the way you treat customers. Right, we and are blessed. one-on-one... -on -one, you know, it's um, it's premier. I mean, it's you know, it's it's the best I would say in this in start in terms of service in the city because well, anyone can install Karastan carpet. No, excuse no. me, anyone can purchase <laughs> yeah. Karastan carpet. Right. Not anyone can install it. Right. It's like advertising. Anyone can place media. Can anyone place it smart? And pair it with good creative that gets results, you know. So, um, you know, your sales staff also seems to stick around for quite some time. Right. I mean, didn't you just have someone recently retire? Um, in the, you tell me what Gladstone story. location. Yes, actually, Bruce Klein, uh, who goes back to uh, my younger days. We used to play practical jokes on each other. Um, had a lot of fun with him, but, uh, yeah, he just retired, uh, in March. 
I mean, so I mean, there's a common theme here throughout this interview that from front office, back office, installers, sales, that people come to Carpet Corner yeah. and they stay. Right. This is not. This is not just a job for us. This is our career. Uh, we do have. A, we're blessed to have a committed group of people that our primary focus is satisfying the customer. Uh, you know, that's our goal on every situation is to find the, the flooring that they want mm-hmm. and then provide it for them in, in a least disruptive manner possible. I think that sense of that larger sense, oops, sorry, my mic was off. I think that larger sense of something, um, you know, really just constantly thinking about the customer and the types of longevity you have there at your store going back to that earlier question is what is going to keep you guys around for another, you know, right. half a century at right. least. Um, that along with some really good marketing. Right. Sure. But, um, it's hard to predict that far in the future. <clears throat> what's one thing that you um, wish people knew about carpet corner, carpet corner flooring stores? Well, I wish they all knew we existed and that, okay, here's the big deal that we do offer more than just carpet, you know, that we offer the hard surface flooring. Mm-hmm. That's the primary thing. From luxury, go ahead. Pit, let's get it out there. From oh, luxury well, vinyl to yeah. hardwood, go ahead. Yeah. Well, we do pre-finished hardwood. Right. We, we, what we don't do is the ceramic and porcelain I mentioned earlier. We also don't do sand and finish. I would like... We've tried ceramic tile, and we weren't very good at it. We decided that it was not the best interest of our customers for us to continue to, to do that. Uh, so, you know, we have to make smart decisions about what we do provide. Um, we don't do sand and finish hardwood. But there are times when it's necessary, and we would be, we might grow into that someday, but I, currently we don't offer that. You don't do sand and finish in home, but you install a we, hardwood product that is indeed sanded and finished. Well, what it is, is that, it's, it's called pre-finished hardwood flooring. Okay. So it is hardwood. Right. You know, it's, it's not, laminate luxury vinyl tile are photographs or print technology that looks like wood. Mm-hmm. Real hardwood, there's two versions of real real hardwood. There's engineered wood, which some people don't consider real because the, the top layer is actually the hard hardwood material. The species of oak, whether it's maple or birch, uh, the core is something different, and then they have to put another okay. layer of hard, hard the hardwood on the fl- bottom because they have to have product stability. Uh, or three-quarter solid is... But everything we do is pre-finished, though. Right. But So, yes, we do. But it's still a hardwood product. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I installed hardwood in my last home, right? I didn't install it when our, I had Carpet Corner do the installation, and uh, we loved it. Uh, then we sold our house. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. It wasn't the plan, right. but it happened. <laughs> a lot of things weren't planned the last two years. Yeah, that's a fact. That's do fact. you want to talk about Rochelle at all? Sure. I think that's a fun story. She's, you know, uh, I've barely been there longer than Rochelle, right? I remember when she came around. So, okay. In case someone doesn't know, who is Rochelle? Yeah, well, Rochelle uh, Craig is our spokesperson, has been for 35 years, was discovered by, and I haven't mentioned my mentor. I mentioned Jimmy, Jim Jr., uh, and Jim Sr., uh, but we've had other key players that have not always you know, been family members. My Gordon. mentor was Gordon Scholes. Uh, when I was in the warehouse and was going to be put into sales, uh, my job at the end of the day, after I finished my warehouse work, was to go spend time with Gordon 
And uh, he gave me the history of nylon from generation one to generation five, uh, <laughs> which I later learned was not an effective sales tactic to over-educate my customers about nylon. The fact is they don't care. It took me a while to learn <laughs> to focus on what the customer cares about. But nonetheless, it's been helpful knowledge, and I could probably uh, go through that again maybe, but I'd have to look up some things. But anyway, uh, Gordon Scholes uh, actually discovered Rochelle. Uh, Gordon uh, used to work for one of the, our, the manufacturing reps. And him and Jim Sr., Jim Sr. would meet with Gordon and they would do some purchasing. Um, Gordon was offering us a particular line or whatever it was at the time. You know, this has been retold to me uh, and it's been a lot lot of years ago. Um, And Jim said, okay, I'll buy it, but you got to come help us sell it. And so Gordon actually came to work at Carpet Corner and, and he was in charge of marketing back in the day. He also was a part-time thespian and uh, did some acting and he auditioned for some roles. Um, he, I think it was Theater in the Park, was auditioning for a role at Theater in the Park and uh, that's where he, I don't know if he met Rochelle there, but he saw her audition. And uh, From he, what I heard, yeah, correct she, me, you may know better, but she's told me a few Rochelle times. we have here to help us. Well, and we are. We're going to have her on to tell it, so we won't, I won't say too much here. But from what I heard, it was an open audition. I believe they were new to Kansas City, her and her husband. I believe so. And she saw it in the paper, I believe, and said, why not? Well, she has Literally. an acting, she has an acting I history. Think she did, yeah, I think she did some. She was on One Life to Live. On the East Coast when she lived there? She, yeah, she was... She's never said... Maybe she has an eye. Well, we need to get her in. There's a story about... <laughs> there's a story behind that. I don't want to talk too much without the facts or without her, her being here because... Yeah, we definitely would want her to corroborate. I can speak to Gordon. I thought maybe, but, though, you knew the audition story about her showing up on the audition or, or maybe the open audition call. Yeah, Because I do that. know that it was like her first... She wasn't, you know an avid actor with representation. She just kind of saw the open casting posting and now she's been, I think, I think she's Kansas City's longest running spokesperson. Is that right? I think so. Well, 35 years. I know, 35 years. Is, is that in 2023 it'll be 35? No, uh, well, last, I'm basing that on year. I know when my anniversary is and I know about when she showed up. So I'm pretty sure it's been, if it's not 35 years, it's extremely close. Okay, um... I don't want to misspeak. She's one of the longest running. She might be the longest running. Anyway, we'll get her on here. Yeah, you definitely will want to hear the story from her about Oh, how, it's going to be a great she's, story. She has an acting background, yes. I mean, it wasn't complete happenstance, but uh, the fact that Gordon was there at the same time and, and saw her and, well, and recruited her to be our spokesperson. <coughs> she's wonderful. We obviously love working for her. She's great for your brand. So are your pups, Lola and Jude. Um, right. Jude, if he can control himself, makes it in the commercials. Sometimes, though, he just, Jude's attention span isn't all there. Jude's a she, but oh, sorry. They're, all, they're all girls. <laughs> yeah, I know. People right. are going to be disappointed to find out that Lola is not actually uh, Rochelle's dog because it's. No. Yeah. No. But for a while. Lola's the understudy, right? Because Lola, Rochelle had Marley, and Marley, rips. of course. Rips yeah. Marley. Unfortunately, got sick and passed away, so we substitute, substituted Lola in. Yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, I love Lola. She's she's such a cool dog. I mean, I'm glad Are she got gonna, the gig. Is there another dog that can sit through three outfit changes? Oh my gosh! Right in like a half hour. Right, literally. <laughs> she's not great at the training part. If, if I could, if she was like Benji, and you know, I could have her. Act on command, that would be great. But. In our last Carpet Corner commercial, we have her in a clown outfit, a dinosaur costume. Tim, what was the other a one? Witch. A witch, that's yeah. right. <laughs> she has a witch's hat on. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's been a great way for us to um, attach something creatively to the brand that helps differentiate you from um, the competition and really gets a lot of good at... Re- 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 hey, do you want to read? Well, the point, the point is... Oh, yeah, that, that review? Yeah. Sure. I'll, I'll, I just got a contact actually last night. We just started, you know, you and I, or you actually, said, let's do this and have some fun with it. And we did it. I wanted, you know, it is nice to have fun. You know, it's great when you can enjoy things on, on your job. Yeah. So we, we got an email, you know. Uh, I know we've had, one, we asked one of our reps yesterday, a lady that works for Stanton Carpet. Uh, she came in yesterday, we met with her, and we asked her, she saw the, she told us she saw the ad, and we thought, what do you think? She's like, well, so I don't think it was, she was as big of a fan. I mean, she, she's used to a particular look and feel with our ads. Right. Um, Mike sent me back a thing and said, that's you. <laughs> oh, he didn't want to reply to it? You no, mean? no, that was, he was, he, I sent him that Lumburger. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're back on Lumberger. Tim's Funko collection. Yeah. We're going to have Tim on here one day. About too. that. Um, Talk about Funko. So uh, we got this. Uh, All right, set it up and this then read lead it. Uh, online. So we, you know, we get these leads online where they can go to our website and fill out forms. And this customer, let me find it here. Um, Message, just saw Rochelle's latest ad, Halloween theme. We loved it. She was very convincing at her psychic table, but her dinosaur pup is always adorable. We don't need new carpet. Had pet proof installed it four years ago. Works great. Super ads from CC. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when a customer doesn't even need the product and they take the time to send you an email, good job. I know people. Good job, team. I hear I hear good things about the commercials. Uh, oftentimes, you get people complaining about things. You know, people are more likely to complain than than to offer compliments. So, tip of the iceberg. If one person likes it, we know that a whole lot of people like it. That's right. Scott, anything else you want to say? Talk about? Well, let's see. There's the history of Berber. There's the invention of the name nylon. Uh, those are some of the cooler things in the industry. Do you know how Carpet Corner got its name? <clears throat> I do know that Jim Sr. Uh, was disappointed. Uh, I suppose it was because we were on the, the corner. So That's true. Another, another family member, his brother-in-law, his sister, Lois, I think designed a logo. If, As I have been told, she came up with our Lamp Post logo. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So one of my proud moments was... We had a little contest. This is when I was probably 20 years old. Uh, uh, we had a newsletter for the company, and we had a contest to come up with a name for the newsletter, and it was my suggestion to call it the Corner Post, <laughs> which obviously <laughs> fits in with our logo, but I think it's because you know it was probably developed in, in <laughs> back when we were on the corner of Ninth of Minnesota. In yeah. fact, 
I did have another customer send a, a an online lead. Actually, it was a review, and they're like, great stuff. The only thing that bothers me is they're referring to one of our other locations, not actually on the corner. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Can't please everybody. No, I mean, it wasn't really a complaint. It was just a, just just saying it's not on the corner. And I'm like, well, this, this location is, and that's where we got our name. So it goes back to that. But Jim Sr. was not happy with the name. He felt it was too uh, corny, I guess, if you will. He, he thought something uh, more... Like gallery, you know, something something that was a little bit more stylish, a little bit more, you know, elevated the brand as opposed to being more. I don't know. That was he did share with that with me one day. So for whatever that's worth, I think it's a great name. Yeah, you know, great it, name, great product. Um, obviously, you're a great person. We love working with. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. That. And um, unless you want to ha- have anything else, I'm going to wrap it up. But yeah, by all means we can keep going. I I. No, I, I don't think that there's anything that I can add that will add value here. So well, I disagree, but we'll stop it for time's sake. Okay. All right. All right. Man. Thank you very much for coming in, Thank Scott. you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Little Agency That Roars podcast. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on fasonipartners.com under podcast. Be sure to subscribe, be sure to like, and leave a review. If you want to submit an interview or submit yourself for an interview, please email roar at fasonipartners.com. That's R-O-A-R at fasonipartners.com. Thanks.